This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to check in with Darren Till. He joins the show all the way from Fight Island ahead of his big fight with Robert Whitaker this weekend. Plus, Aljamain Sterling is the top contender of bantamweight. Why won't Dana White say it? And last but not least, are you having problems using the ESPN Plus service? I got to tell you, I'm having a ton of headaches. Why? The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays at 1 p.m. East Coast time right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Don't forget about the mailbag, Show at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's uh, not waste any of this gentleman's time. Let's talk to him now. It's a uh, top UFC middleweight contender, Darren Till. Hi, Darren. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing well, Darren. Hey, Darren, how Hello. long are you going to leave uh, MikePerryIsABum.com up? <laughs> That's actually not my website. Some, some fan made that, and, and it was on my bio, so... As long as the fan wants to keep it there, you know, it's fucking, I don't know, poor my fatty eyes. That is hilarious. How did you find out about it? Did someone show it to you? No, well, it was, uh, I put him in the bio when I made uh, the Instagram for Mike Perry to, you know, get add, add him, uh, Mike Perry's a bum.com. And then a few days later, someone tagged me in the website and I was like, I haven't made no website, so... Uh, I'm guessing someone spent some time making a website. <laughs> well, well, you've got some dedicated fans. I can tell you that. That's one of the funniest troll jobs I think I've ever seen. Uh, let's talk about your fight coming up this weekend. I appreciate you making time. I know it's a busy day for you, so I won't waste any of it. Before we get to the actual X's and O's oh, of fighting Robert well, Whitaker, um, let me ask you, man. I feel like early in your career, you had like this real intense vibe. And you still do, but it feels like the last year you've kind of relaxed a little bit and you're having a little bit more fun. Is that a fair read or, or no? Yeah, that's a, that's a 100% correct read. No, no further from the truth. That's 100% fair. I, I, I've just changed a few things, how I mentally work and physically work. And, you know, uh, a lot had to happen for me to get to this point and, and I had to take some hard losses and, I couldn't be happier about them losses, and I couldn't be happier about where I am now. And uh, you know, you, you couldn't say that any better. I'm just, I'm still the same Baron, but a little bit more fun, a little bit more relaxed, and you know, humbly confident. I'm humble but very confident at the same time. What was the problem with the old attitude? Was that it? Like being that intense all the time is exhausting, or what? What, what was the issue? I think just that sort of thought of invincibility, like thinking that you're invincible and you can't be stopped or punished and so so forth and et cetera. And, you know, uh, there's always a guy bigger out, out there than you, I suppose that's the old saying. So, you know, uh, you have to learn, you have to grow in this fighting game and you have to change, change up things, change the way your mind works from year to year and, the way your body works and the way you work. So that's, that's all I'm doing. All right, so you're facing Robert Whitaker uh, this Saturday. Hell of a main event. First things first, what do you make of all these dudes fighting? And you're going to be one of them, 7, 8 in the morning. I got to tell you, some of these guys are looking a little sluggish. Are you worried about the, the body clock 
and all the other considerations there? Oh, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to wake up at five in the morning and start being sluggish. But it, it hasn't been a worry. Like, you know, uh, you, you, if you're prepared enough, you're just prepared, aren't you? You're just going gonna, gonna to fight and you're going to fight to the best of your ability. But I suppose it is a little bit of a touch, touch of a problem, you know, fighting at five, six in the morning. No one wants to wake up and do that or stay awake and do that. So, you know, I think it's going to be a minuscule problem, but, you know, I don't think it's going to be too big of a problem, something to look into too much, you know, something to look into too much. So, you know, we'll see. All right, so Robert Whitaker famously said after the Adesanya fight that he had all this burnout and whatnot, and I believe him. But let's put that aside for just a second. When you watch that Adesanya versus Whitaker fight, what went wrong for Robert tactically? Uh, tactically, I think his game plan was all wrong. He was jumping at a striker. He, he's very good at counter-attacking. So he was like jumping for shots, you know, like loopy, like long out-of-range shots. And Adesanya's a lot longer than, than Robert. And Adesanya, it was, it was a given that he was going to catch him at some point. And uh, perfect game plan by Adesanya. I don't think the game plan by Rob was, was so good. No. So what are you expecting him this time, right? He says he's a little bit more centered in his life, and I believe him. Uh, but still, some of those blitzes that he does, that's just part of, that's just part of what he always does. How, what, what are you imagining will be different for you because you're a good counter-striker as well? I just hope he's very, very sluggish at that time in the morning and shit, <laughs> I'm the first round and I can go home. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. I, I don't want to see the best Rob. <laughs> that is hilarious uh that's amazing by the way someone asked me do you th- okay I- i'll ask you in this way is he similar similar not the same but similar to stephen thompson yeah very my coach said that he's a he's very similar like he, you know that karate style i think he's a little bit more aggressive than stephen thompson stephen thompson picks his shots uh, you know, me and him had the chess match of a fight and I was able to nullify him. So maybe I can do the same this time at Rock. But, you know, I will be looking for the finish. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be clever with my finish. And I'm going to try and finish, you know, the former champions. I know it's a big ask and it's a big mountain to climb, but all respects to Rob, but I've got to go in there and get mine and do my business. Darren Hill joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. Darren, if you win this, that'll be two wins in a row for you, the Gastelum win, and now this one. In all likelihood, you'll probably get the winner of Costa and Adesanya, but the question I have is not will you be number one contender. You almost certainly would be, but in this rebuilding process, do you want a title fight uh, for your third fight at middleweight, or would you rather get a little bit more experience? No, I feel like this is the right time. Now, I, I've said this uh, quite often this week. I, I think when you take big risks and big rewards, I know it's only my second fight, but I wanted to jump in there straight away against uh, Gaslam, who nearly, you know, who gave the champ his biggest problems. And you know, I, I went in there and beat him, and now I'm fighting, in my opinion, the sec- one of the, you know, the, the, the second best guy after the champ in the division. So if I beat him, you know, where do I go? Do I look back? I, 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 at someone else or do I look forward I think I can only look forward and the only two people there is either you know Israel Adesanya or Costa you know I don't believe that the fight's happening as of yet with them two until I see them both on the scales I don't believe it so I'm going to get ready for September myself but you know uh, we'll see how that all pans out but 
I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I've got this big, big mountain to climb on the Sati, and you know I need to get through that. And and it's going to be a hard task, but I believe I, I'm, I'm coming equipped enough to do it. Why don't you think that Costa versus Adesanya happens until they're on the scales? I just, I just really, I think there's going to be a pullout. I don't think everything's going to get done uh, mm. negotiation wise. I just. Until I see them on the scales, I don't believe that fight's happening. For some reason, I don't believe it. So I'm going to stay ready. That'll be interesting to see. By the way, how much did the pandemic affect your life the last few months? Some fighters we talk to, it's a major disruptor. Some we talk to, hardly at all. Where are you in that spectrum? Uh, I don't let anything ever, ever affect me, apart from uh, you know, I think the only thing that I've ever let affect me in life is losing you know maybe a fight but anything else i, I always uh i like stuff like that you know like hardships and stuff so i just tried to get you know one training session in the day anywhere anytime i could and the rest of the time i thought you know what this isn't a time for doing things as people are saying like a lot of people were coming out and saying this is a time you should be using to learn something new i was the opposite i was thinking this is a time you should be doing for chilling and spending more time with people you usually wouldn't spend time with, you know, around your house and stuff. So, you know, I use that time to just chill the hell out. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Uh, Darren, you know, I have traveled the world. I'm pretty lucky. I have been to uh, uh, England and the United Kingdom several times. But I have to tell you, I have a, uh, I've never been to Liverpool. And I know you are the current king of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. What are the, if I, when this whole shit is over and this dumbass pandemic ends and we can go and travel again in the way that we're supposed to, what do I need to do if I go to Liverpool? What's the, what's the, what's the most important thing? I think you need to party. Liverpool is probably the best party life in the world. And I've partied everywhere in the world. Liverpool's got a great nightlife, like uh, restaurants and, and vibe and nightclubs. So I think that's a must on your list if you go to Liverpool. And see, like, you know, we have a lot of churches and we have two football, you know, soccer stadiums. There's a lot of history in Liverpool. Liverpool's a very historic place. All right. My last question for you is a two-parter. Number one, are you an Everton guy or a Liverpool FC guy? <laughs> I'm a Liverpool guy. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. You go with the winners. Of course you are. And then, last but not least, uh, <laughs> if, if I'm at a hotel bar and Darren Till walks up and he wants a drink... What is Darren Till's drink of choice? Vodka Red Bull. Vodka Red Bull? How old are you, 18? <laughs> yeah, and I still think I am 18. Vodka Red Bull. <laughs> Vodka, you must be. Dude, you, do, you, do you get into trouble partying, Darren Till? Yes, a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, my coach is laughing next to me now. <laughs> a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I can't wait to see you fight. It was great to see your middleweight debut against Gastelum go so well. You got your hands full, but it sounds like you're up for the challenge. Appreciate you making some time for us. I know it's a busy day. Thank you very and, much. Uh, and uh, I'll have Appreciate a vodka it. and Red Bull on you the Thank next you. time I get to Liverpool. <laughs> good man, good man. Thanks for having me. Yep, there he goes. Darren Till. Appreciate him making some time for us. Formula One Racing on Sirius XM. Precision, performance, and speed. The F1 Series opens Sunday. It's the Austrian Grand Prix. Pre-race coverage starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. Then go live to the track at 9 Eastern for turn-by-turn racing action. Followed by a complete post-race recap. 
Hear it on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 or at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house. Let's get to this. We opened the show today talking about what fights from title fight perspectives we were looking forward to most this, this well, the rest of the year in 2020, let's say. And there was one I wanted to put on the list, but I cannot, at least not yet, maybe not ever. I, I, it's bizarre. So the current UFC bantamweight champion is Peter Young, which he won after defeating Jose Aldo at UFC 251, right? And a convincing win at that. So I, I don't really have any issues with him wearing the belt. Although it should be noted that when the fight was made, we were like, one, Aldo doesn't deserve the title shot. Two, okay, even if you want to give it to him for promotional reasons or you because you owed Aldo something, you have to make on the other side of the equation Corey Sandhagen and uh, Aljamain Sterling for UFC 250, you have to make that an interim bout, right? So you have a champ and an interim champ. Now, of course, the UFC is not going to do that, but that was like, that was not the craziest suggestion ever, given that we didn't really know. Like, honestly, if they had done Sandhagen versus Aldo for the title, you'd have been like, okay. If they had done Sterling versus Aldo for the title, you'd have been like, okay. And they went with Jan. And they went with Jan for probably a variety of reasons, but they went with Jan. So then you thought, okay, well, they went with Jan and Aldo, and Jan wins. But at UFC 250, Aljamain Sterling, who already could have had a title shot back then, goes in there and beats the another guy who could have gotten a title shot in the first round via rear naked choke. The fight wasn't competitive for five seconds. It was one-way traffic from Sterling. He completely overwhelmed him, and that was that. So then you thought, okay, now after UFC 250, Sterling has got to be your number one contender. Who else could it possibly be at this point? And then, now at UFC 251, we have some clarifying uh, results. We got a champion now. Well, look at that. Got a champ, got a challenger. What on earth could be the problem? And it turns out there is some. Dana White is not saying that Aljamain Sterling is not the number one contender, but he is repeatedly asked about it, and he repeatedly gives the same answer, which is, yeah, he's in that group. He's up there, but it's Marlon Marais who is probably number one. And I have to tell you, I find, I find just the whole thing baffling. We actually have one cut of Dana White sort of refusing to name Aljo as the number one contender. Let me hear that cut, please. Aljamain Sterling is all over social media these days, campaigning to, to, to get the next charge. I know you, you, you have to go home and talk to, ma- to matchmakers, but is he the number one contender in the Bantamweight division? Is who the number one contender? Sterling. Sterling? Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, I don't know. He's in there. He's up there. He's one of them. Okay. I got to tell you, don't, don't understand what that's about. Don't get it. So there's a lot of different ways you can measure this. All right. Here's how I would look at this. If you pull up the rankings today, which, by the way, are consistently done poorly. Uh, we, we, we've t- talked about this a million times. Marlon Marais is sitting at number one. So you'd be like, oh, he's your normal contender. Sterling is sitting at two. But it's not so simple, is it? Right? I mean, there is a way where Cody Garbrandt, by the way, is sitting at three. That was a huge win for him over Rafael Sunso. 
that was it not? You could see where the UFC might go. Let's give a fight between Morais and Garbrandt. We'll give the winner of that to Jan. For the same reasons you might give Aldo one. Garbrandt was a guy that the UFC was heavily invested in until he sort of had that um, collapse for a time. And they want to give him another opportunity to get back on top. I get it. It's profoundly unfair to Aljamain, but I would sort of understand it. But if they just went with Marlon, I don't know how that makes sense. Okay, he's sitting at number one. But let me see if I understand this. He loses and gets finished by Henry Cejudo. And the geniuses who make these rankings are like, oh, he must be the number one contender, right? Because that's what they do every time somebody loses. Or I mean, it's one thing if you wanted to keep Max the number one contender after losing to Volkanovski. I could sort of, I can reason through that. Dude, he got straight up finished by Cejudo. How is that? How does that make you the number one contender? It doesn't, is the answer. Then he goes and he fights Aldo, and he wins. But hold on a second, folks. Aldo was given the title shot after that fight, even though he lost, because one, he had done a great many things at featherweight. Oh, and by the way, he looked good in that fight, and you could make a claim that he won. Well, which is it? Was the fight so good for Aldo that even in a loss, you could give him the title fight? Or is it so good for Marais that in winning, he cemented his place as the number one contender? Because I got news for you. It can't be both. Pick one. Either that was the kind of win in a loss, so to speak, for Aldo that he could surf his way into a title fight, or it isn't. You can't have it both ways. You can't argue that Aldo looked great and deserved to have that, not the result overturned, but sort of promotionally ignored, and then turn right around and claim, no, 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 he's the number one contender because he beat Aldo. Right. You mean that same victory you just told me was garbage because you gave the title shot to Aldo? Which is it? Which is it? Because it ain't both. If you're going to use the argument that we should give a title shot to Aldo in part because of his performance in the Marais fight, that is the very reason why you deny that fight. Not that Marais looked terrible per se, but by itself, a qualifying win for a title shot. A it, One fight that is a loss for Aldo and a win for Marais cannot be a qualifying event for both of them to get title shots. Because it wasn't like it was like neck and neck all the way through. It was major momentum swings. Where one guy looked bad for a time and then put it on late. And then the opposite. So, so you can't do that. But aside from that for just a second, I want to bring you back to something here. About Aljamain Sterling. Because this is really what the conversation is about, right? It's about him. Marais deserves, obviously, I think, to be ranked in the top three. I don't, I don't, top three, top four. I don't have an issue with that. If you want to put, like, Sterling one, Marais two, and Garbrandt three or something, you know, maybe you could do that. But I want to point out something. Sterling's last loss is to Marais, but it's almost three years old. Okay? Almost three years ago, number one. Number two, since winning, he's gone on a five-fight win streak. In two of those five, he has won via submission. So he lost to Marais, 
Then he came back in April of 2018, and he defeated Brett Johns. He came back in September of 2018 and beat Cody Stamen. He came back in February of 2019 and beat Jimmy Rivera. He came back in June of 2018 and beat Pedro Munoz. Then he comes back in June of 2020, because he had an injury at the time, and defeats Corey Sandhagen. Along the way, some things happen. Number one, he got a performance of the night bonus in defeating Corey Sandhagen. He beat him in less than 90 seconds. Okay, Your toughest challenge to date, and you win it in the most emphatic fashion. Of the five names I mentioned, he submitted two of them. One, Corey Sandhagen. The other, Cody Stamen, which he got from back mount with the Sulaev stretch. Against the three decisions, which are Brett Johns, Jimmy Rivera, and Pedro Munoz, on all, excuse me, in all three fights, across all three judges' scorecards, so we're talking nine scores here, Sterling won all the rounds. He won them all. Then I went and looked up the results from UFC 228, because that fight went into the second round, how did the judges score the first round between Stamen and Sterling? Sterling took them all. Sterling has not lost a round since December of 2017. He has fought nothing but top 10 contenders. He has finished two of them. And the most recent one, the highest ranking one, he defeated in less than 90 seconds and earned a performance of the night bonus. Ladies and gentlemen, what on earth could be the argument that this guy is not the number one contender. What on earth could it be? When Marais fought Aldo, Aldo wasn't even ranked, and he got by on the skin of his teeth. Now, maybe Aldo would be ranked uh, at bantamweight. You know what Aldo's bantamweight record is? 0-2. Of course, he has not fought chumps. He fought Marais and then freaking Peter Yan. Okay, fine. But still... He has, a one, he has no record of achievement, so to speak, at the weight class. Aljamain Sterling, since December of 2017, has nothing but a record of achievement. Hasn't lost a round in almost three years against nothing but top 10 competition, stopping two along the way and claiming all the other rounds therein. Folks, this is not a difficult one to figure out in terms of who actually is the number one contender at 135 pounds. If you fight the guys he's fought and you get the stoppages he's gotten and then you win all the other rounds, it, this is an easy call. So you might be asking, why aren't they doing it? There has to be on their part. I can think of no other reason other than they must have some concerns about either his popularity or the potential popularity if uh, another person wins it and they could give that shot to them instead. And I'm thinking probably Cody Garbrandt. They can't just give Cody Garbrandt a title fight after one win like that. Three losses, then you come back and you have one win. Nice win, but just one win. Even that would be crazy. But they can probably give him a number one contender fight. And if he wins that, they can just ignore Aldo. Or excuse me, Aljo. So what else could it be? What else could it be other than they have some misgivings about his star power or something like that? Or about the potential benefits of having somebody else who has more star power, right? 
I couldn't imagine what else it could possibly be. Because the record of achievement is beyond clear. All right. Show of hands. How many of you have had issues with ESPN's uh, ESPN Plus streaming service? It was a disaster on Saturday. I want to talk about it next. The experts of MLB Network Radio. When you get fooled by a pitch, you think, okay, let me wait longer. Steve Phillips. And then what ends up happening is you wait too long for the foot striding forward, hitting the ground, the hands going back. You then rush to get to everything. And the only way to get there is to pull off the ball to try to get your hands through. And the outer third of the plate is lost to you. Baseball talk at the next level. MLB Network Radio, Sirius 209, XM89, and on the Sirius XM app. So let's talk about ESPN Plus for just a second if we can, which we can, and we will. I do not understand what is so hard about that service to get right. I really, really don't. I don't, I don't know what the problem is, except it's just consistent. I have found some solutions to the problem that are better than others, but I've not found an escape. So there's a lot of different ways you can watch ESPN Plus. You can put the smartphone or smart app, or the app rather on your smart TV, I should say. You can put an app on your phone or your iPad or something like that. And then you can watch in your browser. And I guess you could cast if you want to cast to the TV or. You could just watch it straight on your computer like I do. Cobb, how do you watch ESPN Plus? Usually on the app on my Fire Stick is how I watch it. Now, I have heard good things about that. How is your service with that? For the most part, fine. But like I said during yesterday's show, mine dropped out right before the Gastelum fight and didn't come back until right after it ended. Yeah, that's a bummer. Did you see Kenny Florian taking a shot at old ESPN Plus? No, what did he have to say? Uh, I mean, you know, he, was, he used to work at ESPN, if you'll recall, uh, before Fox, and uh, he was just talking about what a trash app it was. And, I, and he's right, by the way. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with him for two seconds, but it was just kind of funny. Have you guys out there had problems with your ESPN Plus service? If so, let me know. And if, Or if you have a solution, even better, let me know. 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. Let me rank for you, Cobb, the areas from most difficult to least difficult. All right, ready for this? So most difficult has got to be, for me, watching ESPN Plus on an app on my TV. Holy Jesus, dude. First of all, the action will stop, right? If I watch ESPN Plus on my browser and then I put it on my app at the same time, I can see that for some reason the browser, like, so for example, let's say it's airing on YouTube TV, but I'm also just going to watch it on ESPN Plus because I want to. If I watch ESPN Plus on my browser, it's the fastest. If I watch YouTube TV, it's the second fastest. If I watch ESPN Plus on my app on my TV, it is by far the slowest. It is God awful slow, number one. In terms of like the, the, the delay. So like my, I can't get on Twitter because the Twitter feed will be like, oh, LOL, OMG, and I don't know what's coming, you know, or, or it'll just be spoiled. They'll be like, oh, my God, you know, he knocked him out. And I'll be like, God damn it. So that's one problem. The second problem is the app crashes constantly, constantly. Okay. 
Third problem is it buffers a lot. So you'll have HD for a second and then, you know, it goes back to, you know, 480p or whatever the hell it is. So it looks like ass on the TV, just garbage. And then the other problem is a lot of times it will black out Cobb and I can't go backwards in the app. Uh, it won't let me. The app just kind of freezes. And then if I get out of the app and go back into the app, Cobb, the screen just goes black. So you know what I have to do to get back watching it on my TV? I have to go into my app menu, delete ESPN or ESPN Plus, whatever it is, from the app, from the TV, reinstall it, and then sign in again. It is absolutely atrocious in every way. I don't have very many issues on my phone. The phone for me works pretty smoothly, I will admit. But I just don't like watching on my phone. And yes, you can cast from the phone to the TV. But, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't like doing that. Drains the battery. You know, um, I want to use my phone for other things. And so now I'm doubling up on all the usage. It's a pain. So you can do that, but it's a pain. So the way I normally do it is I watch in my browser, and that has historically been pretty good. As I mentioned, it's very fast in terms of the delay. There's almost no delay. Uh, it'll buffer for a second when you first load it, and then it goes, you know, normally it goes high def and just stays that way, which I really appreciate. Uh, but it's hard to navigate on ESPN.com. It's not very well connected, any of it. And then on Saturday, it crashed several times, dude. Several times I had to refresh it. Finally, I put out a tweet about it, and I was like, dude, my ESPN Plus service keeps crashing tonight. Of all the tweets I put out that night, Cobb, that one went the most viral. Like, there is clear, I don't know if dissension in the ranks is the right word. There's a lot of unhappiness about that service, which I don't understand. ESPN is not merely a news organization. It is primarily, I would argue, a broadcast entity. And they are owned by Disney. I use Disney Plus. Now, not in the same way that I use ESPN Plus, which is to say for live events, everything there is already recorded. I have issues with Disney Plus, too, by the way. Dude, what, cop, seriously, why is Disney so bad at this? I'm being dead serious. I don't know, man. You know, one of the, I, I get the same things that you get, especially when, the, when it buffers and it goes from like HD to crappier picture. For a long mm -hmm. time, I thought that might have just been my internet not being fast enough but no. now i know like that's just the app and it's so annoying that you can't rewind backwards like well on fight pass if you hit rewind or fast forward you kind of see the action fast forwarding or rewinding on espn plus like you can't do that like it just pauses on whatever frame you're on and you have to like guesswork where the hell you where, where you are in the fight it's so annoying and i can't figure out why a company like disney can't figure out how to make this app good by either app for that matter now do you use hulu I use Hulu, yeah. How is that? It's not bad. I haven't really had any buffering issues or anything like that with Hulu. I'm usually pretty good. Um, Do you watch it for live stuff or recorded? Just record. I mean, I watch uh, you know movies and TV and stuff off that. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a different challenge. I have issues with Disney+. Plus. So in this house, we have to put captions on everything because I'm the only one who is a native English speaker here. And so if I watch something with captions, Cobb, turn the TV off for the night, come back, and I want to finish what I was watching in the morning, let's just say, it will look like I have the right setting for captions on. It'll be captions in English. But then nothing comes on the screen. I have to go back to the top. I have to take off captions, 
then turn them back on, and then it comes back on. Uh, Happens all the time. Also, if that app crashes and the screen goes black, which, by the way, does not happen very often, but when it does, the only solution that fixes it, deleting the app, reinstalling it, re-signing in. Nightmare city. Nightmare city. For me, the old fight... By the way, Fight Pass unblocked me on Twitter, Cobb. Did I tell you? I discovered it by accident. I did not notice that, no. Yeah, me and Fight Pass, we're back on speaking terms. I'm happy about that. But when they, before they had changed everything up, I loved their service because you could slow motion it, multiple cameras, you could change angle, you could hear just corner audio. It was amazing. Now, they're still, I'm told they're going to try to bring that stuff back. Uh, for now, it doesn't have that. But even then, UFC Fight Pass doesn't crash in the same way that ESPN Plus does. I desperately want to like ESPN service because for six bucks a month or whatever it is now going to be, you do get a great deal. But the search sucks, the interface sucks, the app on my TV sucks. The phone for me has worked okay, but that's just not an ideal viewing environment. And now the browser is starting to crap out on me. Who else has had problems with this? The thing about it that drives me nuts is that if it, if it worked out in the way in which they told you it could, where you could get that bundle, for example, with Hulu and then Disney+, Plus, and you know, for me, I get to watch like soccer games on there and... Uh, I don't know what happened. It used to be the case that you, like, there was a lot of stuff that was missing on Fight Pass. Now there's a lot of stuff that's not missing as much, but there is still some stuff you have to get on the ESPN uh, app or um, through their website. And there, part of it is actually pretty cool. Like, so, for example, if you go through someone's record as a UFC fighter and uh, their fight aired on ESPN Plus or if, if, for whatever reason they have rights to air it, you can just click on the, the bout result and you can watch it from there. And it's pretty nice. But on Saturday, it was crashing constantly in one of the safe ways that I normally watch it, which is through my browser. And so I'm just thinking to myself, it's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. I don't even do it anymore as an app on my smart TV. Just, i just not doing it. F off. Not going to happen. It's better. It's actually pretty good on my phone, but that's just not an ideal viewing experience, even if you can cast. Because, uh, by the way, when you're casting, it's then hard to toggle, you know, different things. And on my browser has been pretty good, but then it started crapping out on me this past weekend. And I'm like, is anyone else having these problems? If you're going to channel everything through ESPN+, Plus, which I get as a business strategy, I get it. I get it. it you got to get it right, man. <laughs> we don't have an alternative. You know, if you're a Comcast customer and they're constantly botching your UFC viewing experience, yeah, you know, before they changed everything, you had a choice. You could be like, you know what? F this. I'm just going to go with DirecTV or, you know, whatever you wanted to do. You could do it. Yeah, it's at least some choice in the marketplace. You don't have a choice if you want to watch pay-per-views. It's this or illegal piracy. That's it. And don't think people aren't making that choice, by the way, because I guarantee you they are. I don't know if I have a good solution, to be honest with you except just trying different things and seeing which one works. The one thing I can be absolutely certain about is when I use an app on my smart TV, and by the way, you're like, oh, how old is your smart TV? Uh, Two months old. Two months old. I had an older smart TV that was about a a year and a half old. I got a new one. If you guys ever watched my uh, Morning Combat Dissected, it's the one I use for that. that. That TV is two months old, and I have the exact same problems. In fact, I have software problems on my other Samsung TV 
that I don't have on this one, and yet the common denominator is still ESPN Plus sucks. Swear to God. And I don't understand. What are you going to say? ESPN doesn't have enough money? <laughs> I remember one time I got to visit. This is, not, this is before they updated the most modern one. But you guys know like every few years they update the Sports Center studios and set. So I went to the one prior to the one they have now. I got to take a tour. They call the ESPN facility campus, by the way. So I got to go on campus and I got to take a look. And it's, it's unbelievably impressive. Do you guys know who builds that set? And who comes up with the concepts for what should be on there? I'm not joking when I'm about to say this is actually true. It's the Imagineers. Now you might be asking, who are the Imagineers? These are the engineers specific to Disney, hence the Imagineers, that I'm not saying they have an unlimited budget, but they are brought in to bring their creative potential to life for any kind of different task. In the case of the sports center situation, it's to make it look modern and sleek. And what creative ideas can we come up with to differentiate us from our competitors and to push us into the future and to you know modernize the broadcast? Dude, that's what they do. You know, it's it's a very successful company. I was when I went on that st- that sports center set, dude, I was blown away. I was completely blown away. And uh you know, I was like and then when they updated to the modern set, I mean, I feel like the modern sports center set is the best set for any kind of program almost on television. You know, maybe I guess like American Idol or something has a bigger one, I don't know. Something like that. Or maybe maybe it costs more money, but that's not a day-to-day thing, you know, and that's not one individual set. I don't think it's just sort of a venue that they're renting. In terms of like a pro- Cobb, in terms of a proprietary set, who's got the best set on television? It's Sports Center, right? You would think so, yeah. Considering all the stuff they do there, not a Weather Channel. It's definitely not the no. late night TV shows, right? They're all small and nubby, right? Sports Center is yeah. the big dog there, isn't it? It looks pretty vast. Too. Yeah, it's, they're constantly it's, it's, going it's, to like different. They're constantly going to like different locations within the studio. So, dude, it takes big. them ten minutes. It takes them ten minutes to walk across it. That thing is huge. That thing is enormous. How can you have that budget with that kind of resource and technological know-how, and nevertheless still have that many? It's just crazy. It's crazy. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.